All right, Exodus chapter 1 and verse number 8, everyone say amen. Amen. It says, Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, everyone say Egypt, Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. I want to talk to you just for a few moments this morning on this subject. No Pharaoh. And no Pharaoh. No Pharaoh. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word is anointed and it's powerful. God, I pray that you would enable me to preach. Lord, I pray, God, that your word flow through us and then bless your people. We pray, God, for a growing and an increase in the spirit. Break every chain and shackle In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. No Pharaoh. The relationship between Egypt and what will eventually be known as the nation of Israel predates the nation itself. Long before Israel was ever a nation, their founding fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, had several dealings and interactions with Egypt. These interactions, however, weren't without their share of troubles. The first one we read about is in Genesis 12. While living in Canaan, Abraham and his family come under the grips of a horrible famine. This famine spreads clear across the country. Abraham and his wife decide to move into Egypt and wait there until the famine passes. God never told Abraham to do this. Abraham made this decision on his own. On the way to Egypt, Abraham looks over at his wife this might seem a little funny, but looks over at his wife and realizes, wow, she's actually kind of pretty. <laughs> but he also realizes that this is going to be a problem. He feared that when he arrived into Egypt, that the Egyptians would kill him and take his wife. A very common practice of that day and time. Abraham leans over to his wife Sarah and suggests to her that they tell the Egyptians upon their arrival that they are brother and sister. Sarah, the scripture does not say, but we assume she, uh, she agrees to this new and strange agreement. And as expected, the Pharaoh's officials, when they first lay eyes, uh, laid eyes on Sarah, noticed that in fact she was quite beautiful. And before you know it, she was taken to the Pharaoh's palace. And Abraham was now Pharaoh's soon-to-be brother-in-law. The Bible tells us that Pharaoh treated his soon-to-be brother-in-law very kindly. He gave him sheep, cattle, uh, camels, and servants. Abraham's plan worked. Unfortunately for Pharaoh, God was very angry. God inflicts diseases upon Egypt. And here you can already see an early pattern of the Exodus. But God begins to inflict diseases on Egypt, and suddenly Pharaoh has a revelation. He calls Abraham into his palace courts, and he says, What 
have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me that Sarah was your wife and not your sister? Pharaoh returns Sarah to Abraham and sternly rebukes both of them and orders them to leave his country right away. But history has a strange way of repeating itself. In Genesis 26, the Bible says, And there arose another famine, like the one in the days of Abraham. And the Lord appeared unto Isaac, this is now Abraham and Sarah's son, and said, Go down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. This test of not trusting in Egypt, even in famine, would have to be passed. God speaks to Isaac and tells him, You will not go into Egypt like your dad did, even if it seems like you're going to die of hunger. You will go to where I tell you, and you will avoid this place called Egypt. In Genesis 46 and 3, the Bible tells us now about Isaac's son, Jacob, uh, who his whole life avoided Egypt, really. And the scripture says, And he said, the Lord speaking, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph, who was Jacob's youngest son at the time, Joseph shall put his hands upon thine eyes. And that's just a Hebrewism or a biblical idiom for you will die, amen, at an old age, and your son Joseph will be there to console you. Jacob spent his entire life not going into Egypt. He knew that his grandpa made the wrong move, his dad made the right one, and he too was now going to avoid this place. At the end of his life, however, God tells him to not be afraid, but to go into Egypt, because his son Joseph, who he thought was dead, was now running the country and was going to take good care of him, clear up until the day he died. Jacob, along with his entire family, amen, which was no small number, amen, head to Egypt and lived there for 400 years. For Abraham, Egypt was not a good place, and neither was it a good place for Isaac. And for Jacob and his family, it was a problematic place as well. In Hebrew, the name for Egypt is Mitzrayim. And Mitzrayim literally means, amen, the place of boundaries, limitations, and restrictions. From very early on, in the interactions between Egypt and Israel, it becomes obvious that entering Egypt was done at the expense of losing their liberties and their mobility. Egypt was without question a booming metropolis. But once a person moved in, much if not all of their individuality and mobility was totally lost. And those of you who live in San Francisco can, or work there can probably relate to this. Amen. The minute you step into the city, you're just another number on BART. Amen. You can't even move around too much. Hallelujah. You've got to watch where you step. Amen. Um, the city seemed like a place full of opportunity. And perhaps they are in the sense of money and other things. But there's a great sense of restriction as well. You have to move with the herds of people. You have to stay in your chair. You have to stay in your seat. Amen. Everything's congested and crowded. Amen. There's an exchange there that's, that takes place when you leave smaller areas and outer areas. Amen. And that loss and that exchange revolves around individuality and mobility. After 400 years of living in Egypt, the relationship between Israel and Egypt did erode. The once welcomed strangers were now slaves and second-class citizens. We all know the story. 
God raises up Moses and commands him to speak to Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. Pharaoh does not agree with this plan. And instead of letting the people go, he doubles down on their pressures, doubles down on their labors, and makes life harder for them every day. 400 years is a long time, though. There's a lot of pharaohs that come and go in 400 years. From everything we can see, none of them were as problematic as the one in Exodus. In fact, the Bible makes it a point to let you know that the problem was that there arose a pharaoh who did not know Joseph. That's not to say that all pharaohs were good, because all pharaohs are not good. And pharaohs don't typically tend to be good people. The one who let Abraham go only did so after being inflicted with diseases and and widespread, amen, pain over his country. In Isaac's day, God wouldn't even think of letting him and his descendants go into Egypt, amen, and quite possibly because he knew what awaited them there. The Pharaoh of Joseph's day seems like a nice guy until you read a little bit closer into the scriptures. He was a man that would send his servants to prison on a whim, which is in fact how Joseph ended up in his courts because he was about to kill two of his main servants. And whose only affection towards Joseph involved Joseph's ability to interpret his dreams and then manage his resources. Joseph's entire family came into Egypt. Why? Because Pharaoh, even though Joseph was now an adult and the second man in command, would still not let him return to his parents and to his people. Mm -hmm. Israel struggled with leaving Egypt when it came time to leave Egypt. They didn't want to do it. And when they finally did, they constantly contemplated going back to Egypt, even after God had done the miraculous. I can't help but to think that there was days that they were certain that the problem was just that they didn't have the right Pharaoh. We got a mean one. But who can remember the Pharaoh from a hundred years ago? He was a great guy. Uh Who can remember that one Pharaoh, amen, of the Republican Pharaoh Party? Or what about the Pharaoh of the Democratic uh, Party? Or what about the Pharaoh, amen, of the the Tea Party? Amen. There was all kinds of Pharaohs that came and went in 400 years. And no doubt they, like us, thought the problem, amen, is the governmental power and it's the forces and it's all these other things. Amen. And they, they probably thought to themselves, if we could just hold on a little bit, a new pharaoh will come. A new one will rise to power and things will be different. Amen. The economy will reset itself. Amen. The burdens won't be so heavy on us and things will go back just like they were in the days of Joseph and that pharaoh. Moses' message to the children of Israel and to Pharaoh himself was no more Pharaoh. Amen. No more Egypt. Amen. This is not a governmental problem. This is a spiritual situation. This is not a this is not amen. This is not a political party situation. I want you guys to detach from this. I want you guys to distance yourself from this. We are leaving Egypt altogether. The problem is not the Pharaoh. The problem is not the economy. The problem is not, amen, this, that, or the other. The problem is this place right here. Some pharaohs may have been nicer than others, but from God's vantage point, no pharaoh was better than his purpose and his plan and his will for his people. Hallelujah. Amen. For God, it wasn't a question of which pharaoh was a nicer guy. In God's mind, amen, the issue was, I want my people, amen, to sacrifice to me, to worship me, to labor for me, to serve me, and only me. Amen. God did not care who the pharaoh was. It was time for the whole system to be rebooted. It was time for the whole system to be done over. It was time for 
everything to change. Life was no longer about choosing between the lesser of two evils. It was about leaving altogether. It was about embracing a new way and an improved way. Oh, let's lift our hands right now. Jesus. Hallelujah, God. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Jesus, we praise you. Oh, Jesus, we praise you. Amen. As I was preparing for this message, you know, this is actually something very common that people do. Uh, a lot of times people who have substance abuse problems will say, well, you know what? I'm not doing cocaine no more. I'm just doing weed now. Mm -hmm. Amen. And they try to compare two pharaohs. I'm not quite in the bondage I used to be. I'm just a little tied up. I'm nothing serious. And then people also do this in relationships. Well, he used to beat me and he just cheats on me. But beating is, cheating is better than beating. I'm still preaching good. Hallelujah. And this pharaoh is better than this pharaoh. But there comes a time in everybody's life when God says, I don't want either. Both of them are no good. Both of these situations is not what I have for you. Both of these situations are not acceptable to me. Amen. And in your, in your metric, one might be lesser than the other. But in God's metric, neither are acceptable. There comes a time in all of our lives when we have to embrace what God might be offering us, no matter how radically different it is. Amen. I want you to know that, that, that you know, evil... We, we, don't we don't really ever realize how bad evil really is. We play with it. We dabble with it. We go in and out of it. We try to choose between the lesser of the two. Not really ever realizing just how bad and how severe and in some situations can be. Israel was in Egypt for 400 years. And when Moses, in fact, it's, it's, I, was, I was going through it yesterday. And quite interesting, but there's a particular Hebrew word. That God tells Pharaoh to use when he talks to, uh, that God tells Moses to use when he talks to Pharaoh. And you don't, you actually don't read it in English, but in Hebrew, he literally tells him, he says, Will you please let the people go? God literally instructs Moses, You be polite to Pharaoh, say please. And so Moses goes in there and he says, Please let the people go. And I want you to realize, all Moses was asking for was one week off, a three days journey out, one day to sacrifice, and a three day journey back. One week off after 400 years of slave labor and Pharaoh would have none of it. He didn't care if they said please. He didn't care if they were respectful. His response was, who is the Lord God that I should even listen? Amen. We don't realize how bad amen, some situations really are. You will ask for just a week off. I don't want to get cheated on or beat on. And they say, no way. Amen. You tell cocaine, I don't want it. Amen. I don't want to have withdrawals. And you try to tell marijuana, I want to feel alive and well. And they say, no way. Hallelujah. You tell toxic friendships, you know what? Quit talking about me. Amen. Can you just be nice to me? And they say, no way. Hallelujah. We try to choose. Amen. Between good and, and, and we try to choose between bad and worse, not realizing that both have zero good intentions for us. Neither one of them, amen, want to do us right. Hallelujah. Uh -huh. Amen. And all of us have been in situations, and I am speaking in the in the extreme, but all of us have been in situations perhaps not as extreme, where we didn't really have better choices at the time. And we did have to choose between two evils, amen. And we did have to choose between situations that perhaps even had less negatives than others. And, and you probably made the right choice. 
But there comes a time when God says, you know what? Enough of all this. Amen. It's a new day. You're getting freed up from this. Amen. There's new things I'm going to do in your life. There's new promises I have for you. Amen. You would think that everybody would get excited about new. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. You would think, especially in our day, everybody wants a new pair of shoes. and Everybody wants a new car. People want new cars so much that they even go and buy an air freshener. Amen. That makes the car smell new. Hallelujah. Amen. And they'll put that new scent in that hoopty. Hallelujah. And think they got a new car. Praise Amen. God. Everybody wants new. Everybody wants a new shirt, a new suit, a new tie. Amen. A new dress. Amen. A new bank account. Praise God. Amen. Everybody wants a new look. Amen. Everybody wants new everything. Amen. But you know the one thing that we think we want that we struggle with is a new life. All right, all right, amen. It's a new life, amen. It's a new way, hallelujah. It's a new day where you don't wake up, amen, at the crack of a whip. It's a new day when you're not under the taskmaster, amen. It's a new day when you're not wondering which Pharaoh was better than the other, but you're waking up and you're saying, I'm so glad I served God. I'm so glad I served God. Amen, I'm so glad I'm not serving cocaine or marijuana. I'm so glad I'm not serving, amen, beer or non-alcoholic beer. Praise God, I'm not serving beer at all. Praise God, it's a new day. I'm so glad I'm not with Tony or Jimmy. Hallelujah. It's a new day. I'm glad I'm not dating, amen, Lisa or Tiffany. Hallelujah. It's a new day. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I'm not here and I'm not there. Praise God, but I'm right here. Hallelujah. Worshiping Jesus. It's a new day. Amen. I'm not having to choose between the lesser of two Hallelujah. New is not easy. Everyone say new is not easy. Amen. Amen. New, new, new might be simple to understand and even simple to detect, but it's not easy. It's not easy. Why is new not easy? Because new can be scary. Yes, it can be. New can be scary. Uh, I evangelized for 14 years. Well, more, 16, 18. And every week I was in a new church. And it was scary. Uh, every week, my wife and I, I don't know how many states my daughter has been to, and through, but every week we were in a new state, and not every state is the same, trust you me, praise Amen. God. Uh, I remember one day, I won't say what state I woke up in, but they had these real thick accents, and I was just not totally awake, and I walked in to the post office, and I heard these people talking in their version of English. And I just couldn't handle it. I just walked right out and went back to bed because it was just too much. It was the experience was just a little too new for me, praise God. Um, I didn't recognize this, this form of English, praise God. And if, if I was not awake and at least highly caffeinated, I did not understand what these people were saying. But uh, uh, new can be scary. Uh, and uh, we traveled for a long time, but I'll tell you what else was scary was when we started this, this church right here. That was, that was new as well because we didn't have a Sunday school program that was just going to take care of our kids. We didn't have, amen, somebody who was just going to preach to us. Amen. We didn't have, amen, a bunch of people sitting everywhere. We didn't have. It was all new. Amen. I had done home missions a few times. My wife did too, but she was real little. She didn't remember most of it. Praise God. And there was a lot of new twists and turns in the road. And there was a, and you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. And it, uh, it's not something you always promote. But there does come a point where everybody does have to grasp this. Amen. There was just days on Sunday and on Thursday when we first started. We had Sunday and Thursday. Amen. Our, our, the rest of the week, our devotion and our commitment to God was up to us. Uh -huh. It was We didn't have 
We didn't have all the accoutrements of an established church. We didn't have uh, brother over here having a picnic and sister over there having a lady's tea. We didn't have that. Amen. We didn't have church prayer. If, if it was church prayer, it was me and Jamie in the living room, praise God, waking up at 7 to do it. Amen. That was church prayer. But we had to learn, amen, how to, how to, how to walk for God. And you know what? There was countless days me and my wife went to bed full of anxiety, afraid. What if this doesn't work? What if this new endeavor, amen, doesn't happen? And there were so many unfamiliar things. I'll tell you one of the turning points for us, amen, uh, was when the Silva family, Brother Silva will be preaching this afternoon in Spanish church. But when Brother Silva came and I, me and my wife remember it like it was yesterday, him and Sister Silva sat right there in the back and they just started speaking in tongues and praying, praise God, and that familiar sound. And it felt, and we, we just knew we were going to be all right. But right up until that point, Praise God. I tell you, there was days we thought we felt like we were going to lose our mind and lose heart. Uh -huh. Amen. And it was not easy. Amen. Because it was new. It was unfamiliar. Amen. But I'll tell you what. One day me and my wife decided that new and unfamiliar is better than Pharaoh. Yeah. Yeah. New and unfamiliar is better than Pharaoh. New and unfamiliar is better than living in sin. New and unfamiliar is better than being in bondage. New and unfamiliar is better than waking up at the taskmaster's whip. New and unfamiliar is better than being haunted and plagued. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I would rather choose this life than any other life out there. Hallelujah. Amen. I would rather have this than anything out there. Praise God. And I've had a lot of out there's. You know, before I came to God, my life got gradually better. That's how good God is. That before you even sign on, he'll just start helping you get a little better, better. And, and, and Sister Janelle, I can remember before I ever came to God, my life just started gradually improving. My family started being proud of me again. They were like, man, you going back to school? Wow. But... There came a day when God said, I'm even going to go newer than that. Uh -huh. yeah. All right. I'm going to even go better than that. Mm -hmm. I'm even, and, and, and you know what? I don't want any of that. Right. I have something totally radically new for you. And it, was, and it was hard because it was new. New can be uncomfortable. Everyone say uncomfortable. uncomfortable. New can be uncomfortable. And it can be new because all of us have to unlearn some things. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's, right. that's, that's one of the hardest parts of new is unlearning. Yeah, yeah. Not learning. We're made to learn. We're, we are, we are hardwired to come to conclusions from information we gather. Mm -hmm. Some of us do it without information. <laughs> we, are, we are made to learn. We are hard, but you know what's hard is unlearning. In fact, whether you know it or not, those of you who've been to college and school, and you, you guys, amen, when, if you just... When you look back over your life, you realize, man, most of my years were spent unlearning a bunch of stuff. Uh -huh. Praise God. We make all these assumptions about the world. We make all these assumptions about things only to find out we have to unlearn them. And the same thing goes for a new season and a new day and a new life. Amen. There's a lot of things you have to unlearn. Amen. But unlearning and the discomfort that comes with it and the uncomfortableness yeah. that comes with it is better than any Pharaoh any day. Amen. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. New can be challenging. Yeah. Everyone say challenging. Yeah. New can be challenging because of our tendency to revert back to what we know. Uh -huh. But challenging is better than any fair. I'd rather live under the challenges of new mm -hmm. amen, than I would under any fair. I can tell yeah. you that in my life, I know this is not everybody's story, and please, I'm not, I'm not trying to glorify sin. But in my life, I had a long way to go. 
I got saved, and there was a lot of things God did right away, Brother Roger, right away. I was suicidal, right away that went away. I was hooked on drugs, Sister Harris, right away that went away. Uh, I, was, I was a tyrant of a human being. I was just a small monster in clothing. And uh, so much of that went, I stopped cussing right away. I was shocked. I mean, I loved cussing. I mean, I just, it was like I made up cuss words on my leisure time. I just, I was a foul mouth, heathen. And, but cussing, I just right away, Sister Luke, literally, right away, I stopped cussing. Mm -hmm. I just didn't do it, ever. I haven't cussed in who knows how long. And uh, I always get nervous when I say that. I feel like someone's going to actually But I haven't cussed in who knows how long. Or just, I don't know. I, I wish I could sit here and tell you, yeah, like, I just got it like that. It, it's not that. Like, I literally woke up one day and just stopped cussing. Uh-huh. But then there was other little things that just didn't go away right away. There was like this pending <coughs> stuff. But I've realized now that a lot of that pending stuff, a lot of that stuff that I'm still working on today, you know what it is? It's me wanting to go back mm -hmm. to my old ways of solving things. All right. God said, I'll get you off the drugs, but you and me, we're going to work for a few years on what got you on drugs to begin with. All right. Amen. Because it wasn't just bad influence. Right. And it wasn't just that the market on drugs was cheap uh -huh. and they were accessible. It was an attitude that you had. All right. All right. It was about a way you dealt with problems. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I don't do drugs these days, praise God. But, but there still is, Brother Robert, that tendency to want to go back to solve things in a similar manner. Amen. Uh -huh. Yep. God said, oh yeah, you, I'll get rid of the cussing. But that thing you got, that temper, we're going to work on that. From 2018 to infinity. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're going to be working on this one for a while. Amen. And I'm so glad that God got rid of the, I don't, I don't really know what to call it, but he got rid of the, the first layer of stuff. But that second layer, that, that do you believe that I can make all things new. Do you believe that I can give you a new temper? All right. A new means of coping, a new yeah, yeah. means of dealing, a new yeah, yeah. means of, of, yeah. of problem yeah. resolution. Yeah, yeah. And I got news for you. As soon as I get as soon as I get some of these solved, I'll be on to the next challenge. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The life is not, you know, you know, you, you solve one thing and there's another one right there. Uh -huh. Amen. Those of us who are trying to get to this magical place in Christianity, this silver bullet, where there's like, no, it doesn't happen like that. Come my on. mom just gave my daughters, these little, my mom just went to Russia for the World Cup. I, I, this doesn't matter to me, but Mexico won. She was like so excited. Here's this Mexican lady in Russia. Uh -huh. But uh, my mom brought my, my daughters back, these little Matrushka dolls. You ever seen those little uh -huh. Russian dolls? Sure. You open one up and there's another one in there. Yeah. And that's just how life is with you and Jesus. He opens up the anger and all of a sudden there's something else under that. He opens and some of, some of you get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. And then he'll work with you through all of those things. Amen. Amen. He's perfecting us. Yeah. 
But dear brethren, amen, sisters, amen, brothers, amen, amen, people of God, amen, can I tell you that all of that is better than the pharaohs you used to serve. Amen. And all of that, amen. And, I, and if God can get through my anger and get me to working on my jealousy, that's better. Hallelujah. I'm making improvements. I'm making strides. Hallelujah. And I'd rather be working on those things than drug addiction. And I'd rather be working on those things than on suicide. And I'd rather be working, amen, on, on, on not reverting back. All right. To choose in between the lesser of two evils. Uh -huh. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands right now. Jesus. God, I praise you. God, I worship you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm pretty much done. But I do want to encourage somebody here today because I feel so strongly that there's gonna that there's there's quickly coming. If some of you have probably already embarked on it. Amen. If not, just recently. But uh, there's, there's quickly coming a time when God's going to say, I want to make all things new. Yeah. We're not going to sit here and debate which Pharaoh's nice to you. Uh -huh. We're not going to sit here and compare which one was a nicer guy than the other one. We're going for all things new. Amen. Amen. We're going for all things new. We're going for a whole new way. I'm going to, I, I'm going to tell you this. Amen. And I believe this with all of my heart. It never ceases to amaze me what God can do. Amen. Just when you think God, amen, has done the most miraculous things in your life, He yeah. comes back yeah. and He does something more miraculous. Amen. I, I, I hope you know that I'm not just up here, amen, and that's not hyperbole. I'm not just sitting here talking to you. I'm telling you that when I came to God, amen, I, I, I'm not saying this to brag. I had seen some miraculous things. I had seen God do some amazing things just to save me. Amen. I, I, I had seen Amen. God do things that it was unquestionably the hand of the uh -huh. Lord. It was not my imagination. It was, it was miraculous. Yeah. But can I tell you that after a while, I actually did think God has pretty much done it all. God, God has pretty much done all I think He can do. And can I tell you that since that day, He's blown my mind. Amen. Hallelujah. There has been times me and my wife have sat in our, on the couch in the living room. Amen. I, I, I don't want to bore everybody here, but I remember one time, uh, I was sick. I was horrible. It was not good. Amen. And I was, I was, I was out here in Alameda. Amen. And I, my health was not good. I was, it was bad. And uh, I was right out here on the Alameda beach, walking down the beach for the game. Losing all hope and, and total despair and misery. And really convinced I'm going to die. This is not good. The doctors didn't know what was wrong. And right there on the beach, right here in Alameda, a man mm -hmm. came out of nowhere mm -hmm. and walked right up to me. Mm -hmm. And he was a real human being. It was not an angel. Mm -hmm. I, think, I, think, I think I would have had issues had it been an angel. But he was a living, breathing human being in his pajamas. In his pajama slippers, actually. He had jeans on, but he had like fuzzy slippers. And I'm telling you, that man just started talking to me. And he just came right up to me and started prophesying and telling me about my sickness and telling me about my problems. He got to the point where he just started going off so bad in the Holy Ghost, he started telling me what I was thinking in my mind. Uh-huh. Yeah. And here I was, 18, I don't know how many years into living for God, and I thought I had seen it all. And God said, you ain't seen nothing. Right. You ain't, I'm God Almighty. I will rock your world. I will show you things you ain't never seen in your life. 
I will do things in such a new way that you will question reality. I, my wife picked me up that day at the beach. She was right there. She picked me up. I, she dropped me off and picked me up, and I was a mess. I had sand everywhere. I was crying. I was bawling. She said, what in the world happened? I even took a picture of the guy. I showed him I said, this guy just read my mail and paid for the stand. <laughs> this guy just told me everything I was running through my mind. And I'm telling you, I don't know what situation you're in right now. And you might think it has no end. And you might think, man, I'm just stuck between two pharaohs. I've got news for you. God's fixing to turn the whole system upside down. Amen. And do something amazing in your life. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Because for some of us, it feels like, you know what? It's been 400 years. Ain't nothing going to change at this point. Uh-huh. This is how it was for me. This is how it was for my mom. This is how it was for my mom's mom. This is I'm trapped. You're not trapped. Amen. Amen. You're not trapped. Uh-huh. Amen. God has a word for you. Amen. God has a plan for you. God has a miracle in your life. Hallelujah. Has, has God ever failed you yet? Come on. Amen. I have to tell myself that all the time, Brother Robert. Has God failed me yet? No. And the answer is no. And if He's never failed me yet, He's not going to fail me now. Amen. Let's Amen. all stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody say praise God. Let's all lift our hands right now. If it's appropriate, I want you to pray for the person next to you right now. Hallelujah. I feel this so strong in my spirit. The Holy Ghost is going to do miracles in your life. Hallelujah. I said the Holy Ghost is going to do miracles in your life. 